1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Iron Network. I am Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, the Bulls may be gutless cowards who continue to be very satisfied with mediocrity, but the season goes on and the Bulls have now reached the all-star break. The Bulls lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers 108-105 in their final game of the quote-unquote first half. The Bulls will head into the All-Star break now at 26-29 and 29 overall. Uh, it's too bad, Jace, because this was a game the Bulls had every opportunity to win. The Bulls led by 17 points at one point during this game. The game came down to the wire. It was a tie game with 90 seconds left. It was a tie game with 43 seconds left when the refs decided to make themselves the main character of the night and called a ridiculous foul on Alex Caruso during a moment where he got tied up with Donovan Mitchell on a sidelines out-of-bounds play. Mitchell got a free throw. The Cavs got possession. And even though the Cavs uh, didn't score on the ensuing possession, Mitchell's go-ahead free throw gave them a lead they would never relinquish. The two-minute report today, I believe, called that a garbage, bogus call. So, uh, Bulls still have the L next to their name. Either way, 26 and 29. And it ends what I would call, you know, kind of a lackluster first half for the Bulls, but a first half that sort of saw the team kind of settle into what the odds makers thought they would be coming into this season. Uh, It's a team that's just a shade below 500. It seems like as close as the Bulls can get uh, to getting to that 500 mark after having such a poor start such a you know a 5 and 14 overall start. Uh they just can't seem to get over the hump to get to 500 J. So uh 26 and 29 now they will open the All-Star break versus Boston on February 22nd. There will be no Bulls participating on All-Star weekend. Bulls totally shut out for the first time in like decades. Uh Obviously, no Bulls are playing in the All-Star game, but also no one in the three-point contest, the dunk contest, the skills challenge. So, overall, uh, Jace, how are you feeling now that the first half is over, now that, you know, our national nightmare of the trade deadline (laughs) is behind us, and we can just kind of settle into this team being a little bit worse than mediocre? Uh,
2: I mean, after the trade deadline, the Bulls have been exactly what AK's. Called them uh, competitive. They went two and two on the road trip. Every game was close and uh, went down, pretty much went down to the wire. That Grizzlies game, they were losing for much of it, ended up coming back in the fourth quarter and winning. They lost a heartbreaker in overtime against the Orlando Magic, uh, where they were down early and they came back and they were up double digits in the third quarter, uh, down late in the fourth, but they had a chance to win it uh, in regulation. DeMar DeRozan into Missed a shot and they lost in overtime and then they beat the Atlanta Hawks in a game uh, where they got down early, came back, kind of controlled most of the second half. They put up, I believe that was a season high, like 136 and Io DeSumo had, and we'll talk about more about Io in a bit, had a career high 29 points. Uh, But that game was also, I believe, was like briefly like a clutch game uh, in the last five minutes. But the Bulls kind of controlled that game for much of the second half after their big run and, and Tail end of the first half, and then this game, another heartbreaker against the Cavs, as you mentioned, up seventeen early in the first half. It seemed like a game where Bulls maybe catching the Cavs, ready to go into All Star break. The Cavs had been one of the hottest teams in the league. They they were coming off a loss to a shorthanded Sixers team, but the Bulls had jumped on them from the start, up seventeen, as you mentioned, and then the Cavs kind of reeled them back in, and then a close game at the end. You talked about the crew so foul, um, which was kind of bogus. Uh, and then there was some other, there was some other, a uh, couple of other c- controversial plays down the stretch. We had the turnover where Kobe White drove and tried to pass to a diving Nikola Vucevic. Ball goes through his hands. It's turnover. Everyone was wondering, oh, who was to blame for that? Uh, there was this whole thing after the game about Kobe going back. I think it was Kobe and Damar going back and like rewatching the film over and over to like see what was wrong. And Kobe took accountability. Just, I mean, more just great leadership and stuff from Kobe White again. He had an awesome game, although the last couple possessions uh, weren't great for him. He had that play, and then he missed the potential game tying three. Really tough shot. Not can't blame him. He had just made a game tying three moments before that, and had a really nice play with a pick and roll with Demar Derozan catch and shoot three pointer. But a great game for Kobe to go into the break. Heartbreaking way for the, the Bulls lose. And as you mentioned, twenty six and twenty nine. They just they're kind of just. Are hanging around that like two three four games under 500 uh 26 and 29 there are four games out of the eight seed um it, I, as we've kind of talked about for the last few weeks it seems like they're going to be the nine seed the hawks the bulls beat the hawks that was a big game to kind of solidify a nine seed spot and then the hawks went on got absolutely blown out by the hornets going into the all-star break so the bulls are two games ahead of the hawks and they've got two wins over them so like uh, and then the Nets, just lo- the Nets are way back. They just lost by 50 to the Celtics. They suck. The Raptors have fallen off totally. So, like, Bulls are looking pretty locked into the nine uh, unless they make some huge run and the other- another team or teams ahead of them fall apart. Like, the Bulls look like they're going to host a play-in tournament game, the second play-in tournament game, which is a win and go home. And the winner, of course, would go play the loser of 7-8. But 26-29, uh, and 29, right now, if you look at, like, their numbers on the season, like their offensive-defensive rating... Um, 21st in offense, they are 16th in defense and their net rating is 20th. So like, that's not good. that's like mediocre, right below mediocre. If you want to go to get rid of that five and 14 start, which was legitimately terrible over the last 36 games, the Bulls are 21 and 15. Their net rating is still not that great though. In that stretch, uh, they are, I think it's something still like plus one, Plus one and a half, which is I think I think like borderline top 10. And we know they've kind of beefed up on some shitty teams. Credit to them. They've won all those games against like the Hornets, Spurs, Grizzlies, Blazers. I think they're like 10 and 0 against those teams. Uh, so they've taken care of business. So they've got a decent record since that 5 and 14 start, 21-15. But again, um a lot of close wins. They're they've been they're 14 and 8 in the clutch, kind of bolstered by their defense in those clutch games. And a lot of Kobe White and DeMar DeRozan offensively. I was looking again. In, in those clutch games, those 22 clutch games uh, that they've played since the Zach injury, since they were 5-14, and 14, teams are shooting 17% from 3 against them in clutch situations, which is ridiculous. It's so bad, so a little luck there defensively, but um, the, they've pulled out a bunch of clutch games. Of course, they did not last night. They did not against the Magic, but it's been kind of going back and forth lately with that. They, uh, but overall, the Bulls... <laughs> They are like, we, we make jokes now about this competitive thing, and the memes are out after every game, all these close games. Uh, because basically every game lately has been a competitive game uh, coming down the stretch. And The Bulls lead the NBA in clutch minutes, uh, so that's telling you that they're in a ton of close games. Um, again, that's in, in since, and especially since Zach was out, or since that first Zach injury, since they started 5-14. and 14, Again, they've played 22 clutch games. They're 14 and 8. And that's 97 clutch minutes. That's 16 more clutch minutes than any other team in the NBA over that span since that's November 30th. Uh, so they the Bulls they are competitive, they are in a lot of close games. Uh, and again, a lot of those have also been against some, been some bad teams and they've beat up on the bad teams, which is good for them. But I mean, even against good teams, they Cavs competitive game yesterday. The Timberwolves, they had the big comeback and a close win in overtime. The Kings, big comeback, close loss. So, like. The Bulls haven't been getting blown out. They just like credit to them, I guess, for like not having just like any total like duds for the most part, uh, lately. But ultimately, they're still 26 and 29. Uh, they're still four games out of the eight seed. It looks like they're gonna be another nine ten play in team. So again, it's like while there is some good stuff here and there, some good individual play, which we'll talk about here uh going into the all-star break. The team itself is still they're just okay. They are competitive in the like most literal sense of the word in that they compete in most games and don't get blown out. Uh, but of course, that's a very low bar to have. But that's AK's bar. The, according to AK, the Bulls are 4-0 in the, since the trade-off line because they've been competitive in every single game.
1: Yeah, Jace, I don't know how competitive we can say the Bulls are when they enter the All-Star break 9-24 against above 500 teams. They are 17-5 against below 500 teams. But mostly the Bulls have been uh, earning their wins by beating up on the bottom feeders of the league. And I guess you credit them for taking care of business in that sense. But uh, you look at that record against above 500 teams, and I don't really see a team that is, quote-unquote, competitive to actually accomplish anything of note this year. Uh, Arturis, it's just like, dude... Does this man have the lowest expectations of anyone in the NBA? He seems so thrilled with where the team is at and where the roster is at. And he said in his trade deadline press conference, post-trade deadline presser, that, uh, you know, when the team was 5-14, and he was in a really bad place and he didn't like what he was watching. But since then, he thinks everything's going great. Well, Arturis, you might be the only one who thinks that because... Uh, this team's present is not that good, obviously, and their future is in a lot worse shape than their present is. So you already have a lot of assets invested in this particular era of the team. The team is not good enough to get over 500 in the East, and the ensuing years after this one are going to be even worse. So why Arturus is so satisfied with where the team is at i have no idea but at least now that the trade deadline is over jason we can decide on one thing as this year plays out if the bulls make the playoffs our tourist kind of is still a huge moron if the bulls <laughs> miss the playoffs he's a huge moron who should objectively be fired now i don't know if michael reinsdorf is going to do that I would say he should be fired if, you know, unless they win a first round series this year, quite frankly. Uh, But I don't trust the Reinsdorfs to actually have the gall to do that. Of course, we know that Michael Reinsdorf is mostly calling the shots in the organization. Now, Uh, you know, Arturis never hit a three point shot to clinch a championship the way John <laughs> Paxson did. So maybe he won't get quite as much rope as his predecessor. But you know, Jace, one thing I deeply resent about Arturis is how he's made Paxson look pretty good in <laughs> hindsight. Like Daniel Gafford playing good ball. Now that was a former Bulls second round pick. Uh, you know, that was a Paxson pick Markinen has become a top 20 player uh, Chris Dunn is you know, balling Kobe, out there in Utah, too. <laughs> Chris Dunn's looking good in Utah. Kobe is really blossoming this season. And I was really driving the fire Garpacks bandwagon towards the end there. And they deserve to be fired. wanted let's, them let's to move on yeah. from Paxson. Paxson hired the worst coach in NBA history in Jim Boylan, which stunted the development of his younger players. He made a terrible Jimmy Butler trade. But, man... Axon had more foresight than Arturis did, and Arturis just stinks. Dude. Like <laughs> This guy deserves to be fired, and I just wanted to get that out of the way before we dive into everything else. So that's my little spiel uh bulls 26 and 29 some good things are happening on the court jason we've talked so much about kobe white's development but how about another guard in the backcourt for the bulls that would be io desumu io is on fire lately as a three-point shooter we can pull up the numbers and dive into it last year io desumu was the bulls starter point guard shot 31.2 percent from three on two and a half attempts per game. This year, he's taking 3.3 attempts per game, and he is hitting now 41.7% on the year from three, a really remarkable bit of shooting improvement from Io. He's gotten better as the season went on. Uh, We'll throw the October numbers out. We'll start with November, since October was just a handful of games at the beginning of the season. In November, Io hit 36.7% of his threes. Uh, Then in December... His shot fell off again, looked like last year, 31.4% from three. Since the calendar turned to 2024, Io has been on fire in January, 46.2% from three. And so far in February, 56% from three. That puts him above 41% on the season. Uh the big difference in IO's shot is perhaps his work with shooting coach Peter Patton, who I deem Jason is the only competent person in the Bulls organization. (laughs) Io, after a recent career high against the Atlanta Hawks, credited Coach Patton for working with his shot. Io said, quote, Coach P has been tremendous with me every day in the morning, post-shoot around, I text him. He's done a great job of allowing me to understand my shot and find out what's the best way I can be effective using my jump shot. And he's very blunt with me. If I shoot a couple the wrong way, he always corrects me, and I thank him for that. He's sending me film at nighttime saying, this is a good shot, this is a bad shot, and we have a relationship where he can coach me hard. So, to me, uh, this is tremendous for Io. He also noted that Patton has helped him with his follow-through. I think Arturis, uh, you know, if you're looking at like the good things Arturis has done since he's been here, I think... You know, keeping Kobe White when they could have moved on from him and empowering him this year was a good decision by Arturis. Drafting Io, you know, seems like a pretty good decision to this point. Uh, You know, people who listen to this podcast will probably remember I wanted Sharif Cooper uh, in that pick, and I think Io certainly looks like a better pick than Cooper would have been. So uh, nice job, Arturis, on that one. And then hiring Peter Patton. A lot of Bulls players are having the best season of their career shooting the basketball this year uh kobe white for sure has been more consistent than ever shooting io by far having his best season in a major leap from last year and then derozan's even having the best shooting season of his career basically uh in what is this like year 15 or 16 so peter patton deserves a lot of credit i think for uh, helping kobe iron out his shot or for helping uh, io as well iron out his shot and Uh, You know, Io, I always thought if he could just hit a wide open shot because defenses still aren't really guarding him, you know, he could be a pretty damn good player. And he's really turning into that now for the Bulls. Is he the starting shooting guard of the future in a post-Zach Levine world, Jason? I'm not totally sure, but I do sort of like the complementary skill sets between Io and Kobe. Io being a bigger guard, better defensively, can take on the tougher assignment, Kobe's so good at playing off the ball in terms of his spot-up ability. Uh, He's one of the best sort of secondary playmakers and spot-up shooters in the league right now, at least in terms of uh, those play types. So, uh, you know, really encouraging stuff to see from Io, and you just hope he can sustain it, because if he can, the Bulls are going to have a really nice rotation piece moving forward.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah.
2: So obviously he's not going to shoot whatever, 50 some percent from three. Like he is on a absolute serious heater right now. And uh, you mentioned some of those month by month numbers I had pulled up. His numbers just since the calendar turned, uh, he is averaging in that's 21 games, averaging over 30 minutes per game, 13.7 points per game, shooting 54.1% from the field, and basically right around 50% from three. That's a pretty decent sample size of just really good three-point shooting. Again, I don't think he's going to be quite that good. At, 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 he's going to go through a slump at some point, but uh, yeah, just a remarkable stretch of shooting from him. And you just look at his full season numbers, some of his uh, kind of the shooting, like kind of... Um, just like by distance and stuff like that. Like his finishing around the rim has dropped a little bit this year, but besides that from three to 10 feet, it's good from 10 to 16. It's a little down, but still like not a horrible number for that from that spot. It's like 42%. It's 46% from three to 10 feet. That's a career high. Uh, and then 16 to three, uh basically mid-range 16 feet to three point. That's 47.6%. Last year it was just around 30%. So like really low. And then the three-point shooting up almost at 42% now. So that jumper has really come around. Um, his three-point rate is over 40%. So that's great. He's he's taking shots. He's not we I, mean, I a big issue with Io before was turning down open three-point looks, and now he's kind of he's raising that volume a bit even more, not as hesitant. Clearly, I mean, you see all those shots go in. The confidence is going to be there to let it rip. So um, yeah, great to see him playing so well. Again, especially as an, an Illinois guy, loved IO at Illinois, uh, loved that they, it was really cool that they drafted him. And now uh, while I was, Well, I questioned the contract they gave him three years, 21 million. He was not good last year. He was, he had a really rough close to last season. uh, And it looked like he, like, was he a playable player? Like the the three point shot was brutal. It was so broke. Uh, And he was just, he was not good. Uh, They re-signed him. I questioned giving him three years. Right now, he looks great. Like you said, is he a start long-term starting shooting guard on like a real, on a championship contender? I, I would not sure about that, but, um, He's certainly a guy who you can rely on to fill in and spot start. He's been doing that with some of these injuries uh, and he's looked really good. And he's just had a really good stretch of games. Also have to mention again, again, just absolutely owning Trey Young. It seems like it's a almost a every game the Bulls play the Hawks, Io is owning Trey Young, uh, either offensively, defensively, or both. And this in this game it was both. Again, career high 29 points. I think he had what five or six threes. And then Trey Young had a miserable offensive game. He got some points at the free throw line, but he had a horrible shooting game again. And Io is consistently just in his grill, making like life difficult for him. Uh there are a bunch of great memes out there about Io being Trey Young's daddy, I always loved those, and like, and it's been great. And it was great to see him do that again, uh, and just completely, uh, just make life difficult on him while also carrying a huge load on the offense. Event so great to see Io proving some of us wrong about that contract again, especially as an Illinois guy. Love to see him, Uh, and as a Chicago guy, great to see the hometown kid playing really well for this team. And again, don't, he's not going to keep shooting whatever fifty five percent from three, but. Uh, if he can maintain around forty percent, that's huge. That opens up his driving game because he is a pretty good mid-range player. Uh, he's pretty solid finisher as well. I would love to see him get to the free throw line, but that's not really his game. Never really has been. His free throw rate's been pretty stagnant throughout his career. But whatever. Not expecting that. Like that's uh, that'd be like a next progression in his and a leap. It just be a guy who can get to the line more and do more stuff like off the dribble himself. But I mean, for right now, he's making a lot, a ton of stuff happen. Uh, both ends of the court and it's helping the bulls stay competitive when i mean the hawks game they didn't have alex caruso so like they needed io to have a big game to go up against trey young against Dejounte murray and they score 136 points but big part io uh having a career game there and uh obviously with zach out and patrick williams out and patrick williams by the way who knows when he's going to be back they did give an update on him uh billy gave an update on him yesterday there's uh with this bone edema thing it sounds like he still needs to ramp things up they're trying to calm that foot down and they need they need to see what happens when he ramps things up and if he if he's there's still discomfort i think a lot of us are assuming that pat's not going to be back yet at all this season um but we'll see about that again that was just kind of a quick update that they gave on him but uh which is a bummer of course we talk about the future and like uh hopes for the future we talk about io we'll talk about kobe here in a second but patrick williams who had been playing really well he has this injury, had a brutal uh, month before he kind of shut this thing down and we'll see if he's able to come back. But yeah, back to Io. It's been awesome to see him play so well and uh, at least give us a little more hope for the future and another uh,
1: possible building block, or at least guy to keep around for foreseeable future. Jason, while Io was dominating the Hawks and Trey Young again, I couldn't help but think, Arturis, you are such an idiot for keeping <laughs> Alex Caruso at the trade deadline. He could have moved off Caruso. Caruso was not playing in that Atlanta game. They would have given Io a bigger role, maybe a little bit more confidence, and they could have acquired some important future assets to maybe get this team out of the wasteland of mediocrity it seems to have made its bet in. So, you know, what we heard, and this has not been reported publicly, but we heard the Warriors offered a first-round pick. They offered Moses Moody. They might have offered a little bit more for Caruso. Arturis turned it down. And I just think that was a really big mistake by Arturis, no matter what the protections on that first round pick are. I think we heard something around top five, something like that. Uh, You know, that was an offer Arturis should have taken. And it would have been a nice way to take, you know, a quarter step back, but still probably remain mostly just as competitive as you are today, the one thing that would have changed is it would have lessened the Bulls' chances to actually make it out of the play-in tournament and to make the playoffs. I don't think they have a great chance to make the playoffs anyway, but if we're staring at a Bulls-Hawks 9-10 game after watching uh, how the Bulls beat Atlanta without Caruso in the lineup, I expect the Bulls to have a single elimination game again to make the NBA playoffs, uh, which is where they were last year. I think they should beat Atlanta in the 9-10 yeah, game. absolutely. Especially with that game Bucks at home. Yeah. Uh, and, but yeah, I mean, Arturis, you know, just a moron. Like, trade Caruso. That was a good package for Caruso. And, uh, you know, it's too bad because Arturis just doesn't seem to have any pivot points he's willing to go to because he's not smart enough to figure out that, like, the current state of the team is shitty and it's only going to get worse from here. But uh, speaking of that, Nikola Vucevic. Let's talk about a guy who sucks, Nikola Vucevic. <laughs> Finished last night against the Cavs 4-16 from the field. He had the turnover, the drop pass from Kobe to end the game. I rewatched the fourth quarter today. I'm going to say that was 70% on Vucevic. It was not a great pass by Kobe. Vucevic had to jump for it. The ball hit him in the palms, though. I know our guy Mark, who I I love Mark's commentary, and I love his passion. I do slightly disagree with him on that, though. He was mostly saying that, uh, you know, Kobe more to blame. Kobe did take responsibility uh, for the bad pass, for the turnover to end the game. I still think Vooch should have caught that ball. Vooch was also brutal the entire game, and Vooch is very much a symbol of this front office's uh, inadequacies. Trading for him was a fucking disaster. And guess what? Resigning him was really stupid, too. The Bulls would be in a better spot right now if they just never would have resigned signed Vooch and could have had Drummond as the starting center. How many fewer wins would they have? Maybe a couple. Vooch does provide some things Drummond can't provide. But to have Vooch locked up at $20 million a year each in the next two seasons, Jace, I'm just not super jacked up <laughs> about that because Vooch – is one of the least efficient high-volume scorers in the NBA. Vooch with a 52.8 true shooting percentage. The NBA average is 58% true shooting. So Vooch is way below average. He's getting a ton of shots. He's putting up, uh, you know, just really poor scoring efficiency numbers. I think Vooch stinks. He does bring some playmaking to the team that they miss when he's not in there. Uh, You know, he seems like he knows where to be defensively, which is the nicest thing you could say about Vooch because he does not have the athleticism to clean up anyone else's mistakes. And Jace, if he could be an actual good shooter, an above average shooter shooter for a center, he would be a pretty good player. Instead, he is a terrible shooter for a center and thus is a shitty player who makes $20 million (laughs) a year each in the next two years. So from what I saw of that Cavs game, I watched the entire fourth quarter uh and before that i was kind of in and out as i was celebrating valentine's day but uh vooch stinks get this guy (laughs) off the team i really like a lot of players on this bulls team even though i'm not happy with the direction of the team but vooch is the one guy who i'm just like kind of sick of now so uh yeah
2: what's funny is vooch had been having a really good month uh a february um fiving was six straight 20 point games Uh, relatively efficient. Most of them had been shooting a little better from three, hit some big threes against the Timberwolves, three of seven against the Grizzlies as well. But then like in the, in the magic game, I mean, he had 26 points, like so much like Vuce puts still puts up big stat lines. But again, you mentioned just the efficiency is just not there. So like that magic loss. He had 26, 17 and four, and then also three steals and a blocks. Like that looks great, but like, 21 of he was 12 of 25 from the field one of seven from three and then only two free throws he actually did take nine free throws against the uh, the hawks which is i, I believe a season high. i mean he doesn't get to the line at all it's so crazy how he has never been a big free throw shooter in his career and just and continues now he takes like one or two free throws a game like generally at most um but he had been playing pretty well at, but then this game going into the break, it was a disaster. Nine points, eight rebounds, four of 16 from the field, one of five from three. Uh, And the three point shooting has just been awful all season. Like his two point shooting has kind of fluctuated throughout the year. Uh, But I mean, just looking at October, 20% um, November, 27% January uh, or December 30 under 31%, January under 25%. And now in February 31% 31 percent is best month of the year and like one of the big reasons like i think some people got and including me were like excited when the bulls traded for vooch like that year with the magic like he was averaging like 25 and 12 he was shooting like 40 some percent from three. And like oh man like they got this like big time score who could score inside he could stretch the floor like and like do something like lowry like couldn't was never able to really do like with the bulls like lowry had his moments but like he just like was never consistent. Was hurt all the time, and just like wasn't really working out. So oh, now they get this guy, like twenty a twenty five and ten guy who can make it rain from three, and you can pound it him, pound the ball into him in the post, and he's got the passing as you mentioned. And it just has never worked out. The shooting has never really been there with the with the Bulls. I think that season it might have been two. I'd have to look back at his numbers again, but he had a couple seasons I think where he was really good. Let me pull up his career stats now. Um, that year he was traded. He was forty point six percent from three. I guess he had never been up higher than 36.4% from three. Like the year before that, he was 33.9, 40.6% from three with Orlando that year. But you have to remember that that season was the COVID season where they had like no fans in the stands. And there was like a lot of outlier, like hot, like even Zach Levine's like best shooting season came during that year. And I have to think like that probably did help him too. Uh, But like, since then he was, he was 38.8% the rest of the year with the bulls again covid season and then 31.4 percent 21 22 34.9 percent last season so a little better but now down to twenty seven point five percent from three this season that's brutal it's 47.1 percent overall again he's takes under two free throws per game um yeah i mean looking at even like that magic season he was taking six six and a half threes per game at over 40 percent like rate uh, conversion rate like those are awesome numbers again he was averaging 24.5 points 12 rebounds almost four assists like he was putting up monster numbers in that season with the magic and that uh, but I think clearly kind of inflated by the 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 no fan stuff and then now obviously trying to fit into a different role and on a different team Uh, he's just been kind of frustrating he still has his games he still has his moments again he had been playing pretty well uh, in February before this but he still just can be often be so frustrating to watch and the the three-point fall thing just totally falling off totally kills a lot of the supposed value that he brought to the table. And as you mentioned, shooting true shooting percentage of 52, 53% is just not as, as below league average. So like you can put up these all these raw box score double double machine shit all the time. It doesn't matter as much if you're if you're just super inefficient, then of course his defensive shortcomings. The Bulls have managed to cover up some of those shortcomings uh with their perimeter defense and their scheme and some can do can still get steals, has those good hands and like is generally like, okay. But at, um, at a positioning, but like, we just know he doesn't really block shots much and we know he has his shortcomings there. So yeah, like i never, I did not like the three years fully guaranteed that deal. Um, yeah. Don't love it. Not jacked and juice about having Moran. I don't know. Like it, there were never any trade rumors about him at the deadline. I don't know if they'll look to move off him. I doubt that they will this off season. I don't know if even if they'd be able to without maybe trading something else decent. So like, yeah, I think he's probably gonna be around at least another year after this one. And maybe even the entire, maybe they can trade him as an expiring. I don't know, but yeah, frustrating to watch for sure. Even, even when he does put up big numbers,
1: what we saw in the Cleveland game, Jason was again, more two big pairings between Vooch and Andre Drummond for the season. Vooch and Andre Drummond have played 106 minutes together. And the Bulls are plus 8.5 in terms of their net rating with Vooch and Drummond on the court. Somewhat surprisingly, the offense has been unstoppable with the Vooch-Drummond pairing putting up a 123.7 offensive rating that would be the top offense in the NBA if it extended the entire season. Of course, it has only extended 106 minutes. That is not a lot of minutes, but it's also not nothing. It has crossed the 100-minute mark. So, uh, Chase, what do you think of the Vooch-Drummond pairing? I think It's probably just like so funky
2: that I guess it's worked. Again, some of it is, I think, still small sample size. Like If you look at some of the games where it worked, like, they did it, I think, in that last, the last Cavs game, and they like got they erased like a huge lead. Cavs offense just like kind of totally fell apart, and the Bulls kind of got it cooking offensively. Like, like it would theoretically work even better if Vuc could hit a jumper. Uh, sometimes though, like I mean, you see like if there's clogged lanes, like that. Sometimes I mean, again, the offense has been great. So like, I don't know. just I don't even know what to make of it. Like I I like the while the results so far have been great. I I feel like I. Don't believe in it at all. Like, I know, like, I think I, sp- I know, like, whatever the lot, lot too big line of stuff has been like totally like out in recent years. Like, oh, you cannot play two bigs together. The Cavs obviously have played two bigs together, but there's quite, and like the Timberwolves played two bigs together. But I know that people have questioned, like, oh, is this the right strategy in 2024 in the NBA? So, like, uh, but it might be like just funky enough, like, it gets the grain enough where like it's big, you get offensive rebounds. Um, if Fuchs can actually make some shots, uh, it can work. And like defensively, again, if you're playing like a five-out team, uh, and I think in that last cat, not last night, but the Cavs game before that—like we kind of saw like the Bulls go back to it down the stretch, and they just kind of petered out there and like going, <clears throat> um, it worked or it did not work, and the Cavs started raining threes on them down the stretch to pull away again. Uh, so some of it, I think, is just like matchup dependent. Again, these Cavs matchups, the Timberwolves matchup, they used it to great success in that big comeback uh, helps when Andre Drummond is beating the shit out of Rudy Gobert somehow, who's probably going to win defensive player of the year. Like uh, some of that feels kind of fluky, like the wolves just fell apart. Andre Drummond outplays Rudy Gobert. Kobe white hits seven threes in the second half. Like some of that is just like, you say that whatever, like small sample size theater, but I think in certain matchups you can, yeah, it works. And, and on this roster where they have like barely any forwards, Torrey Craig is back. Of course, but Patrick Williams is now out. Uh, you might as well try it sometimes. Given the, just the dearth of big forwards on this roster, so again, I think in certain matchups, you doesn't doesn't hurt to try. And Billy's done it. Credit to him for try trying different things and having some success and going to it when it's worked.
1: Yeah, I mostly hate it, but I also <laughs> think Drummond's like cool and funny and the type of personality that uh, Bulls fans can rally behind. So. Even though, like, Drummond has a lot of shortcomings, and I do not think anyone needs more Andre Drummond in their life, uh, it is sort of fun watching him on the court. And, yeah, I mean, this season's so pointless anyway. Like, who cares, kind of? Our uh, tourists, you know, he just wants to make the playoffs in a league where 53% of the teams make the playoffs. Arturis seems to believe that the fans will not tolerate another rebuild, which I think is stupid. Like, Arturis, no fan wants their team to be 500. No NBA fan is, like, jacked up about a 500 (laughs) team with limited assets moving forward and without a young star. Like, being 500 is okay when you're on the climb up to something better, but the fact that, like, this seems like it's the best this team is going to get for the foreseeable future, being 500... I just can't believe how bad Arturis is. I mean, he <laughs> sucks, and he deserves to be fired. And it's put us in a weird position where, Jace, there is part of me that wants the Bulls to fail to make the playoffs so that Arturis looks bad. That sucks. And Bloggable Matt wrote this on his sub stack that, you know, Arturis has pitted fans against the team, at least smart fans against the team. Uh. And yeah, so it's like, you know, Jace, how do you view this dilemma going into the second half of the season? I would never root against the Bulls, but to me, it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of a win-win in a sense because yeah. the season's such a lose-lose.
2: If they lo- To me, if they lose games, I don't really care. I just, we need them to get to 38 wins. We need to cash that over 37 and a half. That's why I need them to not like bottom out here. Um and we know they're going to make the play. And as we talked about, they're up two games on the Hawks. I think they're up like four or five on the nets at this point. Uh, I don't know if it's that much, but like they're pretty safely in the play-in. They're probably not going to get any higher again. They're probably going to be the ninth seed and host the game. So like at this point, it's like, whatever. So like, is, I guess it, the question is like, once we get to the plane game, like, do you want them to make it through the plane games? Like, like in the moment I'll absolutely like be wanting them to win. Uh, I don't want I'm not going to be out here like rooting for them to lose in the play in game, but like if they do if they came out and like lost they say it was 9-10 Bulls Hawks. If they did lose that game, I, like I wouldn't care that much. I would just make fun of probably AK if they lost the competitive game to the Hawks in the 9-10 play in and lost like like whatever. Like I know like the ultimate like the ceiling for this team is probably just getting smoked by the Boston Celtics in the first round at this point. So like it's like whatever. If you lose to the Hawks in the play in uh, and it makes AK look a little worse. Like, fine. Like, I don't, I don't care that much. Like, would it be fun to maybe play Boston in the first round? Like, I, I guess. Like, again, I would guess they would just get absolutely trampled. Maybe you get lucky with an injury or something. But uh, although they have been competitive, hashtag competitive, maybe they'd keep games close. Maybe they'd steal one like they did against Milwaukee a couple of years ago. But yeah, so like, I'm certainly not rooting for losses. Like, there's no like lottery, like I think luck really to play for here. Again, they're not gonna they're not going to fall out of the plan. If they lose in the play and they do get in the lotteries, so, like they'd still have an outside chance. But Like this draft is like nothing to write home about, nothing to get really excited about. So like you might as well win games and see what happens. But again, yeah, if they lose, who cares? It makes AK look worse and maybe something would happen with them. I I don't think it would. Um, like even if, if they did lose to the Hawks in like that first playing game, I don't think he'd be fired, even though he
1: probably should be. And you can absolutely make the argument for it. So, so, yeah. <laughs> Fire AK. He deserves to be fired. He's not good enough at his job to have it. And I kind of feel like as long as Arturis is the GM, the team's just going nowhere. Like they may, like the best case scenario for this team with Arturis as the GM is maybe five games over 500. So, yeah, it's sad times, Jace, but you know what? Kobe continues to ball out. Hopefully next year around this time, we're talking about Kobe's first all-star berth io looking pretty good we love to see it i want io to be the bulls udonis haslam where he's just (laughs) on the team for 20 years he sets the culture we love io and uh yeah otherwise not a whole lot going on right now with the bulls but uh very good to make it to the all-star break and to get a week away from this (laughs) team
2: i do want to talk about kobe white here before we wrap up i want to start Like, I think people, some people have talked about already. I do want to start pushing the Kobe White most improved player of the year agenda, propaganda, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's been awesome since the slow start of the season, since the 5 and 14 start, Kobe White has been incredible. Uh, again, he was awesome against the Cavs the last couple plays notwithstanding. He's had a few slumps here and there, but for the most part, even when he's shooting from three poorly, he's makes up for it in other ways. He's just been really fun to watch. His development on the court and off the court as a leader – the accountability he takes. I mentioned after the game last night, like watching that film back and just talking about it. Um, there's some good quotes out there from like Casey and some of the other B guys, just with Kobe talking about what happened at the end of the game. Um, so Kobe White, most improved player. And so I, like we talk about all oh, like the rest of the season's useless. It is not totally useless, ju- almost solely because Kobe White's development, continuing that and seeing him late in games, because I know there's been all this like chatter about all oh, like when Demar An uproar when DeMar gets possessions late in games uh, and he goes ISO and takes these shots like, oh, well, why isn't Kobe getting it? Why isn't Kobe getting it? We saw Kobe get some of the opportunities last night. We saw the great and the nice two man game with those screens that they go to a lot with DeMar and Kobe. Uh, It was like DeMar and Zach used to do that a lot. Now Kobe's kind of getting in on that. We saw them create a wide open three pointer out of it uh, that Kobe splashed. Kobe got the game tying three-point attempt last night. Of course he missed, but that was a really tough look in the final seconds. Not going to blame him for that. And then he had the turnover that we talked about a bit, but learn all learning opportunities here. We want to see Kobe get those opportunities. I would, I want to see Kobe like DeMar. We know DeMar's DeMar. He gets a lot of, he gets a lot of these ISO clutch opportunities because that's what happens late in games. You give the ball to your best player. They isolate, they t- take shots. And DeMar's had a ton, a ton of success doing that. But we want to see Kobe get more of those chances. We want to see that development happen. So uh while again we make all these jokes about how useless this is and the competitive stuff and like they're not that good of a team if the bulls are in close games that means more reps for kobe white in clutch situations and that's we we love to see that we want we want to see that growth continue uh, again last night was a learning moment for him and again um I want to push the most improved player looking at just odds right now on FanDuel for most improved player. Kobe is second behind Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey is the heavy favorite minus 210. Kobe is at plus 500. Then Alper and Sangoon at plus 650. Jonathan Kaminga, who's had a pretty meteoric rise lately too at plus 850. Then we have Jalen Williams, Scotty Barnes. But right now it's basically Tyrese. The assumption has been basically since the start of the year when Tyrese Maxey got off to a scorching hot start that he would win. And he's probably, I mean, he's clearly still the favorite probably i would bet would still win just because he's um this was he an all-star did he get voted to be an all-star this season yeah Max all-star. yeah all-star he's gonna go into the all-star game he's on a sixers team that is i mean much better than the bulls right now but if you look at like since the start of the year when maxi was super hot like the numbers aren't that different the sixers have kind of fallen back a bit with Embiid out and Embiid's going to be out for a while so like If the Sixers fall back to the pack and the Bulls kind of hang around with where they're at, and Kobe keeps playing well, like I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility that maybe Kobe sneaks in at this Most Improved Player. Again, I'm going to push it. I'm going to say he should win it because I think just like Maxi was already really, really good last year, and he's kind of taken that leap to like from like a really good young player to now an all-star level player, and like that's a tough leap to make. And like I get why he would win. I would have no problem with Tyrese Maxi winning, but like Kobe was has been the last few years just like. An okay role player, and he's gone from okay role player average under 10 points a game last season. He's now averaging almost 20 points per game this season, playing basically all star caliber basketball for the last two or three months. That is such a massive leap, and I feel like what the most improved players should be about. Like Maxi was already like a borderline player, like a borderline all star level last year, and now Kobe and now he's now he's a legit all star. I get it, it's fine. Kobe is like the leap that Kobe has made has just been so huge that I think like he's like what the award like should be again. Don't think he's going to win the way it's going right now, but maybe, maybe if the Sixers, they have a really tough schedule down the stretch. They won't have them beat back for a while. So like if they fall off and like they fall down and like to play in level and the bulls kind of just keep going where they're going the round 500. Um, I think Kobe could have a chance. What do you, what do you think?
1: I think Maxi's probably going to win, but we need to start beating the drum for Kobe. Yep. I didn't want to write a Kobe story about his development. He has been, just so good this year, and such a spark of joy for the Bulls. Uh, to do this in your fifth year is so, so incredible. I think, is yep. Maxie in his fourth. fourth year? Yeah. So, yeah, but of course, Maxi got more opportunity with uh, Harden moving on, and Maxie's had an awesome year, yep. no doubt about He's it. Awesome. I don't think Kobe's at Maxi's level quite yet, but... Uh, you know, if Kobe continues on this development path, I think it's possible he could end up in the All-Star game next year. What I really love about Kobe is that I think he fits into a lot of different team structures as the smallest guard on the floor. He is still kind of bad on defense, I think. If you look at his advanced stats, uh, I, last time I checked, he was in the second percentile of defense in EPM. I can pull that up real quick, but you still see it in certain matchups. You saw it. Uh, A bit at times against the Cavs last night. So, uh, you know, for whatever he takes away from defensively now, though, he so he's up to the eighth percentile in defense, but offensively, 91st percentile. And I think that sort of captures what a good offensive player Kobe is. He's just improved in so many different ways. He's a monster three point threat off the catch. He's gotten so good in terms of running the offense as a lead ball handler. You could put him in a variety of different roles, point guard, shooting guard, floor spacer, pick and roll guy. You could have him attack switches. I'm starting to sound like ball don't stop here in terms <laughs> of has he pull up Jimbo and everything else. Kobe's got the sauce, Jason. No one else on this Bulls team has it. And uh, it's just been super fun to watch Kobe. I'm really happy yeah. for him.
2: One set that, that kind of shows just like how much Kobe has also like saved this team's ass. Uh on-off numbers can obviously be very noisy. But if you look at the on-off like offensive uh with Kobe on versus off and you look at like the offensive rating just alone according to nba.com, Bulls offensive rating with Kobe on the court's like 115, 116. Uh pretty good. When he is on the bench, it's like 103. There's like a just a massive gulf there uh in terms of the Bulls offense um and how they perform when Kobe's on the court versus when he's on the bench. No one else is even close. Like even like DeMar's only like a few point differential better when he's on versus when he's off. Kobe's is just monster. When Kobe goes to the bench, the offense dies. And when he's on the court, uh the offense is decent. They're n- and they're not like elite, but like it's still decent. Um and like again, he's kind of saved the season. Because if Kobe did not make the leap, the Bulls would be like co- they would be totally screwed. And again, they'd be like 10 10 12 games under 500 probably. They'd be just really bad. And with like, just like no hope for the future. Kobe is kind of given a bit there. And like I said, I'm going to really want to push this most improved player for the rest of the year. Uh, again, Matt Tyrese, Maxey, I forgot he did have like a 50 point game the other, uh, like very recently. And like, he's, he's kind of bounced back a bit in February after a sluggish January So he's probably still going to win it, but, Kobe is, has deserves it as well. And if he can finish the year strong, uh, I do have my concerns about the minutes load and he's, he's been doing this with this efficiency on a huge minutes load. I, I have some concern. I keep waiting for him to break down, maybe miss some time, uh, maybe go in an, ex- an extended slump because he's just been playing 38, 39, 40 minutes a game over these last few months. Uh, but he hasn't, he's but fighting through these injuries, it continues to play really well. Uh, like I said, as we go come down these last couple of months, like I do wonder if those minutes will wear on him, will wear on Demar, who's also playing like 40 minutes a game. Caruso has been playing a ton as well. I mean, Vuccio, I mean, these the Billy I think like, is like kind of running almost like a playoff rotation, just like running his oh, main guys. That. Yeah, like into yeah. the ground. So, like I do wonder how they will hold up the rest of this season, uh, against a pretty tough schedule the rest of the way, but uh whatever happens like we've seen i think kobe is clearly for real in the past he's gone through those stretches where he's gotten hot and he's had good games and then he would fall off i mean this is months of all all all-star caliber play at least borderline all-star caliber play he's made I and mean, we just you can see when you watch games the skill development uh, and just all the stuff that he's done to get so much better and stay consistent and also make and also make things happen when he's not shooting well that was also a big thing too so you mentioned the defense still a bit of a struggle i think it's just always going to be a thing with him but uh he's just such a good offensive player he's kind of the driving force of the bulls offense now i just want to continue to see him get that development uh the rest of the way so uh, as we look here, we go into the All-Star break. Coming out of the All-Star break, we might do another pod before the All-Star break ends. But just looking ahead at the Bulls' schedule coming out of the All-Star break, you mentioned uh, Boston, that first game back Thursday, and they got a couple days off to go to New Orleans. So that's two really tough games coming out of the break. Then they play Detroit. We know they suck, but then they play Cleveland the next night. So that's a Cleveland at home against a uh, second of a back to back. Then they got an ESPN game against the Bucks. Then you got then you go on a West road trip at Sacramento, at Utah, at Golden State, at Clippers. Then you got home Dallas, home uh, Pacers, home Clippers. I mean, we got this next like month coming out of the All Star break is a bitch. Uh, so like, we'll see if the Bulls can stay competitive and win some of these games kind of stay where they're at in these standings, but. Uh just as we wrap up here, you your guess right now, how many wins do you think the Bulls end the season with?
1: Well, Jason, the ticket I filed on DraftKings says over 37 and a half, so I'm going to say 38 wins to end the year. <laughs> Give it to me, baby.
2: I'm going to go with 40 just because having the same exact record as last season would be the funniest possible outcome. Continuity competitive whatever the hell you want to call it going 40 and 42 again and having another 9 10 play-in game again uh i mean just seems perfect right it would just uh for after all of ak's bluster and the continuity bullshit like basically having the same exact season getting to it obviously in a much different way uh would be hilarious so like even though the schedule is tough the Bulls have been playing competitive games. And like, I know they have their record isn't good against good teams, but staying close. And I think they'll probably continue meandering around this record where they've been. So they're going to go 40 and 42. Again, that's my guess right now that will cash those overs. And that's what we want. That's the main thing we want right now is to cash that over 37 and a half that we both have uh, on that win total. So I, th- I think we both think they're going to do it uh, and we will see. Ricky got anything else? That's it for me, Jace. All right, man. And enjoy the all star break, everybody. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network, like we're doing here at Cash. Tons of other great pods to check out all across Blue Wire, NBA, and otherwise. First here at Cash, please rate and view us. Give us those five star ratings or whatever rating you want to give us. Give us feedback. Uh, always open to that. You can fo- follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Bulls underscore J follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky follow Ricky's work at spasian.com also please check out clutchpoints.com as well so as mentioned it's all-star break we are here the Bulls are 26 and 29 they have 27 games left what is that 55 games into the season 27 games left coming out of the all-star break Uh, enjoy the all-star festivities if you're gonna watch all that stuff this weekend after that again Bulls don't play again until next Thursday against the Boston Celtics who is a possible first round playoff matchup if the bulls actually make it so enjoy the all-star break everybody we'll talk to you guys next time